forge your inner armor. Welcome to the Inner Armor Podcast with Dr. Timothy Royer, where we explore ways to train our brains and bodies to become dynamically resilient so that we can all, from professional athletes to ordinary people, perform at our potential. Well, welcome back to the Inner Armor Podcast. I'm here as always with Dr. Royer, and it's that time of the year. Because the academic year is beginning this fall, and that means that students of all ages will be going back to school. Which brings all kinds of interesting and exciting possibilities and opportunities into their lives, but some unique challenges as well. And today, Doc has an interesting guest who's going to talk to us about the challenges of going back to school and some of those opportunities. So, Doc, do you want to introduce our special guest today? Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to have Neil with us today. Neil, you in the last six months have the most listened to podcast on the Inner Armor podcast. Uh, I don't know what you did, you know, but everybody downloads your podcast. And I would say, one, it's you, and two, what you do is something that people really are looking for help and information with. So we said, you know, no better time than right now to have Neil back because we think about getting back to school. And, you know, I have four kids that are all adult now, adults now, but I can remember this time of year, you know, you've, you've had them around the house. It was fun at the beginning, but now it's like, it's time for them to get back to school at whatever level. But you have to prepare for that, right? Like, you don't just like, it's time for school at any level, uh, but especially at the university level where they're not going to live with you. They're going to, you know, be maybe across the country. And so we think of the things that they need that you pick up at Walmart or Target, but there's so much more that they need that you provide. So can you give a little introduction of yourself, Neil, to the, to the audience if they didn't listen to the other one? And then let's get right into this because I think this is an important topic for everybody that has kids. Absolutely. Well, thanks. I, uh, I, I don't know exactly what to attribute that to. Maybe it's how many times I listen to it myself because of my own really critical <laughs> nature, you know, but I have a lot of family and friends that uh, I, I think uh, really enjoyed, you know, listening to that and have, uh, have since really, you know, come alongside your, yeah, your very innovative approach. And we, we have certainly appreciated it uh, here at, you know, Liberty University where, uh, where I am working and I am working with athletes specifically, but working in an academic institution. And, you know, I, I have, gravitated towards this type of environment for several reasons. One, my love for learning and, and, and just because I love learning doesn't necessarily mean it's been uh, easy for me either in, in recognizing that there are uh, challenges and, and certain barriers to overcome. And, and then I, I think a lot of what we'll be talking to you t today as far as you know, what you are, are bringing up for a topic, you'll probably see a lot of the, your past episodes really intertwined with some of the things we're going to be discussing today. And so I, I will say too, you know, about my background, you know, I've, I've worked in an academic setting, you know, most of my life between all the years I've spent in college now at this point, uh, probably as many years as I've spent in my career. Uh, but also, uh, you know, the, the learning environment is one where I think it really challenges us and tests us in many ways and uh, both good and bad. Right. So, 
you know, what you're speaking to here is as parents have the daunting task of preparing uh, themselves as well as their uh, children to begin school again, um, it, it can be uh, extremely complicated, but one that one, one that requires some real intentional uh, focus. And, and I wonder if some of what the interest has been really has been, you know, around this very topic, right? So uh, counseling and education and, and all these things, really, uh, I, I don't know how you can't look at them you know, together, right? Because you, you know, you're, you, you, we get really curious about, you know, what it is exactly that gets in people's way, and it, in, in academic issues, can very quickly become a counseling issue. So, you know, I'm not surprised that this is uh, is a hot topic for you, um, especially given the uh, the amount of um, need that there seems to be out there in our country right now. And so, I think we're going to get into some of that as well. So, look, uh, I'm. It's it's really a privilege for me to be here and, and really thank you guys. I've, I've really enjoyed the podcast and I'm looking forward to being able to contribute in some way. Yeah. Thank you so much, Neil. So let's let's talk about the um you you've got this timing. So we're talking about college students. And we'll first maybe just talk about freshmen because each year it's kind of a different scenario, right? You know, you have that first year coming in as freshmen, you got kind of those middle couple of years. And then you've got this last year where you're maybe taking exams to go on to graduate school. Maybe you don't know what you're going to do. And this is kind of the last year to do this. And so, but I'd first like to talk about freshmen coming in and what is it that you see? And also, you know, what's unique developmentally at this stage, like we all, we had this higher education thing that's happening, right? Which when you look at the brain, it's probably the most optimal time when we look at it neurologically, that the brain can absorb huge amounts of information that aren't just data, but actually reasoning and theoretical kind of stuff. So the brain is timed right, but there's also like other developmental features that I'm just wondering if you could kind of speak to that positively or negatively as a freshman coming in, you know, 18, 19 year old. Yeah, this is a, um, always been an area I've loved. So I love working with young adults and adolescents, uh, especially um, through the developmental uh, life cycle changes and things that are going on at this time. But I also love the energy of, of this age group, right? And so, you know, when I, when I speak to the football team yesterday and I just love how excited they get and, you know, there's all this new energy and, and things like that. And, you know, our freshmen are coming in and experiencing like, oh, wow, the, the wonderment, right? There's a certain, you know, uh, wonder to uh, starting uh, what feels a little bit more independent anyways, right? And, and our, our college age students have, a, have some, some definite challenges, you know, in front of them and exciting challenges, right? Where um, they're learning some independence, but they're not fully independent yet. They've got this period of time where they're in college and, you know, they're experiencing, uh, you know, some independence for the first time, but also, you know, one of the things I've always loved, right, is that the, the world is kind of wide open for this age group, right? Like uh, they're trying to figure out what they want to do. So identity development is a, is a big part of this, but they're also not hindered by anything because the and all the possibilities are are wide open and they can choose anything. They've been told all their lives they can do anything they want. And and they believe that. And I think it's it's good to believe that. And then the things that tend to get in our way are the things that have told us that oh, we can't do this, we're not smart enough, we're not good enough, we're not whatever enough. That tends to be the roadblocks that get in our way. And some of that shapes us and helps us find our way into, you know, our giftings and find, you know, 
hopefully careers that, you know, are, are, are based on, you know, our strengths. But we're challenged during this time period to evaluate both our strengths and our weaknesses. And that can bring up uh, a lot of stuff we maybe want to avoid or not deal with. And, and that's where I think I see a lot of them in counseling. But this is exciting for me because I really love seeing the way that our young adults are so excited to take on this new stage and be independent, but also figure themselves out and, and just be completely wide open to all the, the possibilities. That's, that's, that's a really fun time for me to watch students figure it out. Yeah. And it's just fresh and new, right? Yeah. But I think with it comes these challenges. That's why you're there. That's why you're there, right? Sure. <laughs> That's of why course. you have a job. Is there, it's not just all roses, right? Uh, yeah. This is the probably first significant separation that's occurred. Yeah. Uh, and with that can bring up maybe previous losses. Yeah. Uh, can you speak a little bit to kind of what you've seen from a psychological, emotional side, maybe specifically towards like anxiety and depression that can happen and, and maybe how to like prepare ahead of time sure. for in case this happens. Because what's maybe even tougher sometimes is when you anticipate something's going to be this wide open, free-floating, exciting, independent and then it's not, and you're feeling a certain way and you feel conflicted because you know everybody knows this should be the best time, but it's not the best time. So you almost feel guilty or shameful yeah. about that. So can you speak some to that and what you see yeah. when they come through these doors for the first time? For sure, right. I mean, you get a lot of these uh, uh, expectations that get placed on us that this is supposed to be the, you know, so good. And then that can lead to a certain amount of disappointment if our realistics aren't, our, our expectations aren't realistic. But also, you're right, there's a lot of challenges that you just couldn't even anticipate. And someone can tell you all about them, but until you're actually in that situation and, you know, your, uh, your values are challenged in a lot of ways, then it is when it, it really is where the rubber meets the road. And so, you know, there are so many things that are, are this current generation is facing, whether some of it's uh, societal norms or, or different, you know, uh, uh, complications within the, the generation itself or uh, just the nature of a transition this big. Uh, you know, you think about incoming freshmen and, and the excitement that is built up and, you know, they've toured you know, the, the college that they're going to and they're super excited to start and, and they think everything is going to work out and that they're going to instantly have friends um, or, or, you know, whatever. And, and then now all of a sudden it's, it's very different. So you've, you've brought up anxiety and depression. And let's be honest, this transition is very isolating for several reasons. I think one, you haven't even had time to develop the depth of relationships that you're used to back home where, you know, maybe that wasn't all good either, but at least you knew it was predictable. It was, you know, a little bit more in your control. And, and now you come here and then now all of a sudden you talk about anxiety and, and anticipating and try to gain back control. And what do I have control over? Can I put myself in more social situations to, to not deal with the loneliness? And now all of a sudden you have all kinds of healthy and unhealthy ways of, uh, of dealing with that, whether it's, Hey, I need to go to a party or, Hey, I need to do this or that to loosen up. Or, you know, maybe I try to get in with a certain crowd that's a little bit more accepting, but maybe that's not the best crowd. Or, you know, maybe my studies take a back seat because I'm just trying to uh, develop some emotional security by, you know, finding uh, my group or what I want to get involved in or, 
to take on too many activities, right? There's, there's all kinds of things that can happen, both good and bad. And I don't want to suggest it's, it's one or the other as much as it is the very thing that, and, and I'm going to use the word that you seem to bring up a lot in these podcasts is this issue of presence. I think it can, it can almost reverberate in us or create a certain vibration that says that I have these emotional needs I need to get met. And then it becomes uh, a survival instinct and in, in trying to just survive and find your group and settle into a groove and do all the things that you need to do. And it, and it robs us of presence. So whether it's on the isolating side and we're, we're finding ourselves alone in a crowded room or whether on the, we're on more on the anxious side where we're trying to control and predict and, and think about the future and, and manage these relationships, it, it can be uh, really tricky to navigate if we're not being present and, and focused on our self-care and emotional well-being as well as developing some depth and quality of relationships to uh, help us create that safe base to be able to navigate in a way that's uh, healthy and productive. And when I say healthy and productive, I don't mean that it's without challenge, right? Because challenge is good. And actually, I would even say that we need challenge and that comfort can at times uh, be really good if we need to recover or, you know, uh, or, or, or reset. Uh, but challenge is necessary in order for us to grow and, and move forward in different ways. And and comfortability can leave us stagnant. And, and, and there are just some things that we have to be really paying attention to during this process. And, and a lot of that's going to be, how are we coping and how are we dealing with uh, these challenges? And what do we do about the anxiety, the depression, the isolation, the loneliness, the, the pressures, all the things that come up? Yeah, I, it reminds me of the checklist that we give all the student athletes there at Liberty that come in, the, the ASR. I mean, we literally have you know, thousands of these over the last few tool. years. Yeah. And it's a, a fantastic tool. And I love how it's broken up because it doesn't just ask right out of the chute, what are all the things that are not going well, right? right. It first focuses on these adaptive skills, you know, relationships, um, schoolwork, social functioning, your job, which in many cases for an athlete is their sport. Right. And it, it kind of analyzes these things that in life all of us use to cope or deal with things. And so it first is looking at, I think, the stability of the safety net. And it's like, right. okay, what kind of defense mechanisms, uh, adaptive skills do you have? Mm -hmm. And then from there we go into the other stages of this checklist that we use there at Liberty that then ask the clinical questions, you know, uh, are you restless sometimes very often, not on, not very much. And then, you know, goes to 113 things, you know, about mood, uh, sleeping, all kinds of things. And you get your clinical skills, but you don't look at those in a vacuum. Right. You don't just say, you know, Johnny looks like Sally on these clinical scales, but we interface. And this is what you do really nicely with this instrument, Neil, is you're interfacing. Well, how much safety net is there? Because like you said, we do need pressure so we don't stagnate. We need, we need that to grow, to grow. And during this stage of development, that pushes us to form our identity. But if our safety nets have all kinds of holes in them, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we don't have the relationships. We don't have uh, confidence 
in the arena that we're being tested in, which is academics yep. or in athletics. We've been the star athlete our entire life through club sports and through you know high school sports. And now all of a sudden, the water level's at a different level because we're with Division One athletes from across not just the country, the world, right? And so that can challenge the safety net. So can you speak to that a little bit? Like how, how do we try to develop more of these adaptive skills, right. uh, maybe prior to coming in, but also, you know, when they get there, what are some things that we're looking to do? Yeah, I, I think, again, you know, we're talking about a very complicated issue. We'll try to make it as simple as we can, right? Because there are a lot of things that we can manage and, and focus on and prioritize. And, and we could be overwhelmed by all the things that are, are good to do and versus the things we need to do. And, and, and I do love this tool. Um, you know, you mentioned the ASR and, and look, I use this with every single person I meet with, right? So I meet with somebody first, just help me understand the understand the, the, the presenting problem. What do you, what do you come into therapy for? And before our next session, I want someone to fill out this questionnaire. So at least what that does is, is it gives us a guide to help us understand, well, what are we working with here? Both the good and the bad, right? So, you know, I love that first page of the ASR. That's, this is, you know, uh, uh, strengths, but, uh, you know, I, I like to think of them as protective factors. What is that safety net that we have? And let's just make sure that that safety net is in place, it's intact, and it's working properly. And, and are there any holes, like you say, in the net? And so these protective factors, you know, if, if we're intentional about putting the right things in place, it doesn't mean that trouble is going to come, but it means that when that trouble does come, there's not going to be a hole in the net that I'm going to slip through and, and have a catastrophe. It means that something's going to catch me and I'm going to be able to withstand or weather the storm, so to speak. Because this is a time of, of storm and trial and I think that's what life is and that's what grows us and challenges us or makes us more uh, bitter, resentful, hurt, isolated, whatever those things are. And so if those things are intact and in place, um, then I can, I can operate in a, uh, a more creative way, right? And I use this word creative specifically to kind of talk about that right brain activity that says, you know, I can be more natural, be more myself. I can let things happen. I can be flexible as, uh, as life challenges uh, really affect me. And, and I, I can be confident that I'll make it through. I might not know how I'm going to, and it may be distressing, um, but at least I can have some confidence knowing that I have the right things in place to get me through. And I think that builds a lot of confidence. And so, you know, one of the things that's helpful about this tool is it compares against averages. And I can look at, you know, all of the uh, Liberty student athletes. How do you do in comparison to the athletes? But I can even look at your team and say, hey, what's the culture of your team look at? But I can also look at you as an individual and say, hey, how do you stack up against yourself? Right. And one of the tools, and, and I, have, I did it myself so I can help people also understand like me in comparison to myself, I can see, okay, I might not be depressed or going through a depressive episode, but me personally, I tend to withdraw, internalize, and it can turn into depressive types of symptoms, even if it's subclinical. And I can know that when I go through a hard time, this is going to be my pattern. I know that because this ASR has given me a roadmap to understand that. So by the time the second session I'm meeting with somebody, I can understand a little bit better what their roadmap is going to look like. And, and look, the journey of therapy is self-discovery, right? And, and it's, it's a, it's, 
it's an experiencing with someone else as an audience, your therapist, right? So, you know, what do they say about, you know, what's the difference between a therapist and a friend, right? The therapist is focused on you. Hopefully in friendship, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, a, you know, a two-way street, but you have the luxury and therapy of exploring things about yourself while having someone that's going to push you, test you, grow you. And in a way that's, uh, you know, a self-reflection, almost like holding up a mirror and saying, hey, what are we seeing here? Help me understand this. And that we can deepen that knowledge of ourselves and have some another person be witness to that. So I, I love this tool for that reason, because then I'm able to, um, you know, see what you say about yourself and, and what are the patterns that you identify and how do we start to build a you know, a set of goals for therapy around, uh, you know, your own subjective rapport around what you're saying is maybe a little bit more difficult and challenging for you. Cause you know, my grandfather used to say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Like, like if, if something's going good, that's, that's great. Good. Okay. Let's keep, you know, using those things, relying on those things that becomes our safety net. But you know, you come to therapy because it's a presenting problem. Let's understand what that is. Let's have a set of goals around that. Let's use your strengths to, you know, kind of build up and build that security. And then we can hopefully operate, you know, within our, our, our deficits or our weaknesses or our challenges and have a, a solid uh, framework or foundation to uh, uh, progress from. So kind of in this whole adaptive thing, this kind of like safety net, which I think is very similar to what we call the inner armor, um, you know, that ability I liken like the thickness of our armor that we have internally is like the safety net and it's our ability to adapt because there's people that go through very difficult transitions, uh, difficult times, but their inner armor, their adaptability is strong because of relationships and competence and reaching out to other people. And, but also we look at building your inner armor, like trying to make that armor thicker. We can't always determine how many arrows will be shot at us. Right. And especially for students coming in, they're not expecting some of these things because they're thinking, this is all going to be great. I've been looking to this forever. And then they get their first exam score back and they're like, wait a minute, there's a crack in my armor. Like I can't do it. And that can create kind of an existential crisis for them, right? Yeah. And so we've been able to come in and work side by side with you, Neil, to help develop an inner armor besides what might happen in the counseling room, what you're doing, working on these other adaptability things. But we have this whole other kind of safety net or armor. Can you kind of speak to that and share with our listeners how you're finding that impacting these students when they come in and maybe they don't have as many resources and then you start giving them these things. Yeah. And, and I, I do have to say, you know, I, one, I love the program. And, and as you can tell, I, uh, I, I've really taken to this for a lot of reasons and, and I'd love to go on and on about it, but it'd probably be several podcasts long, but you know, I, on a very basic level, you know, as this metaphor of, of an inner armor is, is such a great metaphor is, you know, and that's why we call it our resilience lab and, and why you use the tagline dynamically resilient, right? Because what we're asking people to do is not to avoid or get rid of or even have too thick of armor that nothing penetrates, but to be able to say, how do I adapt 
to the complications that come about and how do I deal or cope with that in real time. And so some people have fortresses built where nothing's getting in, but they're not getting out either, right? And we're talking about those isolating uh, types where uh, they're so protected and guarded that nothing's getting through. But then you also have some people that, you know, their armor is so thin that they, you know, the first sight of, uh, of difficulty in their caving or folding. And what we want to do is we want to have a dynamic resilience that says, hey, sometimes things are going to affect me and it's going to be painful and hurtful, but there are also things that I can do to adjust. And, you know, one of the, one of the measurements that, that I, I really do love looking at is, is this heart rate variability. And, you know, Doc, the way you explained it really helped me understand the beauty of, of the design of the physical body Right. And, and when you were talking about the need for variability in our heart rate, like we don't want our heart rate to beat every second on the second so that I get 60 beats per minute. But I want variability in my, how my heart flexes to the current situation. And the more flex that I have, the more flexibility and the more resilience I have. And, and that was fascinating to me. And it, it made me realize how much our autonomic nervous system, right? Because, you know, okay, okay we're, if we're going to talk about HRE, we're going to talk about the brain, we're going to talk about all kinds of, you know, physiological responses to stress. And we need to be able to flex with it as opposed to having a rigid, this is the way it is, this is the way it has to be, but be able to maneuver or, or move with uh, or whatever circumstance comes our way because we can try to control it all we want, but we're, we're going to be at times uh, not prepared and we have to be prepared to not be prepared. Right. And this is where the armor then becomes that very thing that is going to uh, help protect us. So whether we're talking about HRV or, or all these other measurements, we now have a window into where is our armor strong and where is it weaker? And we can develop, you know, some, some coping skills or strategies around that. And look, I could tell you countless story of the stories of the ways that this program has helped me understand what people are dealing with when they walk through the door. I remember one of our football players that would come in to session and he would come after practice, but an hour after practice or so, right? So in theory, he's, his heart rate should have lowered by the time he comes into a third session. And now he shows up and he's sweating as if he is exercising. And his heart rate is a 126. And for a guy that his resting heart rate should be about 80 or 90 because he was, a, he was one of our linemen. I'm like, what's going on? Like you're either exercising right now while you're sitting there, which I know you're not. But yes, you're sweating as if you are. But that tells me that there's something going on in your nervous system that has you so uh, ready to respond. What's happening? And, and it, as we talked about the different things going on, it became really obvious what those lions were in his life that he was running, running from while he looks calm and composed sitting on my couch, but he's sweating, right? And so, you know, I, I think it gives us just one more layer of information that helps us understand what's going on for this individual. Because there were so many strengths I could point out as well about, you know, what it is that, that makes this person so adaptable and strong. But here we're seeing this, this weakness in the armor that we can address through some very simple exercises that won't take too long to kind of course correct here. Right. He was and constantly in fight mode. Exactly. And you're, you're trying to interact with him 
in a state where his body and brain aren't ready to do that. And many times the excitement of maybe coming into school or the stress of coming into school, you know, that phone call home to where you're trying to, you know, talk through things or that first meeting with the therapist, those first couple meetings may not, uh, you may not benefit a lot because the nervous system is so amped up. You're running from a lion and the last thing you want to do is kind of take in this cerebral information. And the cool thing about the inner armor is we can teach you right away how to control the oxygen, how to control your HRV. So in the power segment, so there's precision, power, and focus. And in the power, the first thing that we're doing in power with these freshmen that are coming in is we're teaching the biomechanics of breathing because I can have a million things going on around me, but I can control my breath. And that's where it starts, that, that ability to control. And it kind of reminds me back, and I've told this story before in the podcast, when I first started working with Kirk Cousins, who you know, now is a, you know adults and uh, pro, pro athlete. And big deal. Yeah, it's just on that quarterback series. But when I first started working with Kirk, he was a college student. I mean, he was in college. And I can remember him coming to me and first time I saw him was two weeks before they were going to play Ohio State uh, in the Big Ten part of the season. And they had a bye week. And he's like, hey, I need to be better by Ohio State. Like that's 14 days, bro. Like I can't make you better in 14 days. And if you asked any therapist, anybody, they would say, you know, I can't do that in two weeks. But what we did was we leaned into Kirk's breathing, the first phase of power. And we even went into the refining phase phase of power with him where we worked on dynamic resilience for 14 days. And he went out and for the next six weeks, he played lights out and he was back in control again. And so there's so much of this autonomic nervous system control that these students come right in the door. It's one of the things that we wanted to introduce them with. And that's what we do at Liberty, which is really cool, is that they have the ability to start controlling this. Absolutely. You know, and, and you, you speak to the, the stuff that I love, you know, because athletes are going to, they're going to say, Hey, Hey, give me the special sauce, right? Don't yeah. it as I need to do. And, and part of why I love working in this environment is that very reason, right? Is, is, Hey, if there's, if there's a way to do this and they're willing to put in the work, let's go. Right. And that's yeah. your cousin's story, right? Is that, um, you know, he kept looking for answers and, uh, and he kept doing the things and, and asking for help and doing all the things he needed to do to just be better. And, and I, I loved listening to his podcasts here because um, you know, there was some really good, uh, I hope inspiration for people to understand like, okay, you can do this and, and it will be challenging, but it's not impossible. Yeah. And he kind of had a, a back to school experience, right? Like he was going into his senior year, you know, we've been talking about freshmen, but he's going into his senior year. He's doing his craft, his, you know, his football, but he's also attending classes and thinking about his future and am I going to get drafted or am I going to go to med school or what? But I mean, he was like, it was just years ago, but it was still the same scenario we're talking about where this crisis comes in 
And how's he going to work his way out of that? And uh, I think it's that was the early stages of Inner Armor many, many years ago. And to see that we're now replicating that, you know, with hundreds and hundreds of students. And that, I mean, then you have that right at your disposal. Can you kind of explore, explain to the users, like, how does this actually work? Like, what happens? I mean, you're a therapist. They sort of understand that, you know, tell me about your childhood kind of thing. But what is this? Like, what are we talking about? Autonomic nervous system, breathing, inner armor. Like, how does that play itself out in what you do and why is that important for you? Absolutely. And, and, and again, why I've found uh, such a almost rejuvenation in my professional career is being able to uh, use bio and neurofeedback as a complement to therapy. And look, you know, I, it, in my PhD progress, I, I became really interested in interpersonal neurobiology. And, and there is something about the nervous system that wants to, one, be in connection with others, but also be in connection with self, right? So when you're talking about presence, we're talking about, hey, can I be connected to myself while wholly and fully present with someone else? And, you know, if we, if we have the spiritual component to that too, we're talking about, you know, hey, how do I, how do I integrate uh, this tripod, if you will, of, of the, the, the three main um, relationships I need to maintain my relationship with, you know, my God or my higher power, or whatever, you know, your faith tells you yourself and your relationship with others. And so, you know, we're, we're able to then say, okay, where, where is that? Where are you in that process? And, and how strong are each of those uh, legs to keep you supported? And, and, and how do we do that? And so inner armor has been great to be able to say like, like, hey, you know, how are we dealing with this? And, and how are you regulating your nervous system? And what are the times where maybe that's a little bit more challenging for you? Whether it's an existential crisis of faith that says, hey, I'm, you know, you know, why are these things happening to me? You know, whatever. And, you, you know, you challenge that part. And, and again, this is part of the developmental asset too. We talk about where we started from, right? Is I need to challenge my faith and no longer make it, you know, I loved that. We had a pastor that once said, um, you know, God doesn't have any grandchildren, right? Like, no, I need to make faith my own. I can't just adopt my faith from my parents. I need to have a struggle where I challenge myself to grow and learn what I care about. Yeah, hopefully I take in what my parents taught me because there's some value in it as well, but I also need to challenge it. That's part of the developmental process. But we're also challenging many things. We're, we're, we're challenging sense of self in relation to others as well. How do I get to know myself better and how do I know myself better in, in relationship? So how does this relate to inner harm? Right? You know, I'm speaking to some of the diagnostic practical stuff, stuff that we can look at within ourselves and say, hey, I can do a self-assessment here, but I can also have some other tools that will help me measure how I'm doing in these areas. And so as we break down all the different diagnostics that we have in a very simple sensor, your, you know, the, the breathing sensor that we're using, it's giving us so much information. <laughs> A lot of my football players are getting ahead of themselves a little bit because, you know, they're looking at that generating report at the end and they're like, okay, yeah, they want me to work on recovery points. But, you know, I want to see all this other data. I want yeah, to do what I'm showing all the presence, all these other things. And I've had a couple of football players see me recently and they're like, hey, my stress scores are, are abnormally high and I don't know or, or believe that I'm necessarily stressed. <laughs> and so, you know, we're, we're getting ready for camp, you know, that started today. And a couple of my football players last week, they're like, 
oh, maybe, maybe I am stressed about yeah. going into camp, right? And now all of a sudden we have this measurement that says, hey, I wasn't aware that I was carrying so much stress into camp. But after a conversation, Neil kind of tells me like, hey, maybe that's not, it's my norm. And this is what I believe is, is just the way my life has played out. Wait, maybe I can challenge what I previously have held on to as a belief that this is my norm. Hey, wait a second. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm operating with a cup that's already full. If I go into camp with a full cup, how am I going to learn or grow, have anything added to it? I'm just going to be overflowing. I'm having difficulty learning the playbook or, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not measuring up or, you know, all the pressures now are too much. I'm going to make the squad. I'm going to get cut. Is my scholarship dependent on this? My coaches are yelling at me. All kinds of things now overwhelm them, right? And so I want to help you, help you say, hey, what is a manageable stress load? What are you coming in with? And how do we help you keep that pile low so that you have more room to add more because the pressures are going to come? And I've got a measurement that says that before they even walk through the door. Yeah, that is amazing, right? You can Absolutely. see what the, the body's... It's like the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah, I love it. Um, by Vanderkull. And uh, the body is giving us the dashboard of... And what's going on, even though our mind says, oh, you know, I'm not stressed, but well, we're looking at your heart. We're looking at your temperature. We're looking at your skin conductance. We're looking at all these variables and they're all telling us your body is 2% away from absolute disaster, right? In your brain. And that's the cool thing that you have at your fingertips is you can kind of look beyond, beyond the BS meter right? and oh, you can yeah. kind of see, uh, or maybe it's just a lack of presence lack of or awareness, awareness yeah. you know, um, but you can see, oh, this person's right on the edge. And rather than let that turn into severe anxiety, severe depression, and uh, eventually challenge retention sure. in school. I mean, that's, that's a big thing happening in universities across the country. It is, it's not so much the academic load, right, that's causing the issues in retention. It's the emotional, psychological load that these right. students are getting depressed and anxious to the point that they're dropping out of school because their safety net or their inner armor isn't strong enough. And, you know... It's been neat to watch it at, at Liberty with you working with your athletes, actually see some decreases in utilization. And I know you can't speak to the specific team, sure. but I thought that was interesting. Can you kind of like in a general way explain what you saw in, in uh, this last year with with a particular team. Right. And, and um, you know, I, I would love if I no longer had a job because no one had problems. Right. And, yes. and, I, and I get that there are, uh, are some things that we can do better as a field. And I want to challenge my profession to continue to grow and get better and understand how these things will support, you know, something like inner armor that is, is getting direct feedback from one's body, right? Like how many people are walking around today in fight, flight, or freeze, yes. and they don't even know it. Okay. Right. And there are diagnostic indicators. Hey, you haven't been very present, or hey, you're spending a lot of time on your phone, or hey, you're not, you know, in the bed at a reasonable hour, or, you know, hey, you know, you've, I, speaking of me, I like to eat Chick fil A a little too much, right? <laughs> there are indicators there. And if we're paying attention to what those indicators are, 
uh, we can we can pay better attention. But you're right. So I, I've been able to see some interesting things in different cultures as a team. And 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 look, I don't I don't I hate to even say this again, right? Because people are going to be like, "Oh, Neil, you're crazy." But look, <clears throat> I had one of our teams, and I will say, but they'll they'll know exactly who they are because I spoke to them last week, and uh, and and I, I you know I brought this up to their coach. They participated in the Inner Armor program very diligently as a team. Mm -hmm. And they saw some massive improvements. So much so, and again, I hate to even say this on your podcast because now it's going to get out there and people are going to think it was crazy. I did not see one single counseling hour from that team the entire semester that they were using this program. Okay, look, and, and again... Uh, this is a team that I have seen most of the people on that team. Okay. Wow. Now, yeah. look, to go from one of the highest using teams for counseling to a team that no longer needs counseling throughout the course of a semester makes me ask some questions. Now, yes. do I believe that it was the Inner Armor program that magically fixed everybody? No. Because, look, I'm still seeing some of the right. individuals from that team. Mm-hmm. And, and, look, you know, there are going to be life circumstances that are going to come up. But when we see the statistics, like, okay, yes, normal life circumstances are going to come and counseling will be beneficial to you. I want to see those people come in. But how many people are coming into counseling because of a, of a, a very real agitation that's going on, but they may not realize that they're living in fight, flight, or freeze? What if they're better able to manage their autonomic nervous system from spending 10 to 20 minutes? you know, in the inner armor program, and now they can reduce their need for counseling significantly because depression lowers, anxiety lowers, quality of sleep improves, calm improves, focus improves. Now all of a sudden they're getting better grades and this high achieving academic team mm-hmm. also, right? And now you get to, you know, the pressures are very different and they had some culture changes and there were lots of things going on in that team. But, you know, there are a lot of factors that contributed to what I believe was a very emotionally good time for that team to grow. And so, you know, I'm very excited to see what happens now with all of the supports that we're building, as well as how much we're able to use the Inner Armor program as a measurement, but also a help us realize what, you know, about myself, that mirror that I need reflected back to me so I can see myself in in some very real data-driven ways and use counseling in a way that is... I want everybody to come to counseling, right? I think there's yeah. a need for it. I think everybody will benefit from talking about what's going on for them internally in a little bit more of an objective place, a safe place to do that. But also, I want people to be effective in their use of therapy, mm-hmm. right? I see all kinds of different clients with all kinds of different presenting problems, all kinds of different kind of coping strategies and ways to deal with it. And some people are like, yeah, Neil, I just have a hard time talking about my feelings. Well, yeah, me too. Or some people that come in and use counseling for venting and they're like, yeah, it just makes me more pissed off and angry, you know, when I leave. Like, like I get it. Okay, so let's let's dial it back and take a step back and take a look at what's going on physiologically so we can have a more well-rounded view of what's happening in the therapeutic context. So now we can better guide through your own self-report because my body is that indicator for me of how well I'm doing in therapy. And this isn't a measurement of good or bad. This is a measurement of effectiveness. 
How much am I growing, learning? How much am I benefiting from this? Because look, I want therapy to be a good experience for you. I want you to come in and enjoy talking to somebody about what's been on my mind and just have somebody to, to bounce this off of. And I'd like you to be able to say, hey, six or eight sessions is good. And, and I'll come back when the next you know, major thing comes up and Neil will help reintroduce me to some themes that maybe I kind of forgot how to use and some tools that I need to use and just reset and maybe only use counseling at a very minimal level, but use it as more of a maintenance and have some really solid things in place so that when the next thing comes up, I just check in with Neil for a couple of sessions, we get the ship back on course and now we're headed in the right direction again. Again, I, I think that the, the, the implications of this are massive. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know our time is coming to an end. And what as we leave on this note, I think what you're describing is this perfect merger, Neil, of what we see Inner Armor can do to support you in your expertise role that you do in one, maybe uh, getting individuals before they start to go into crisis, two, coming alongside you. And then there's, you know, other times that the diagnostics can really give you an awareness of how to, how to guide your process. Um, Absolutely. So how does that all go back to school? Well, since uh, Inner Armor is ready for you yeah. and it needs to be in your backpack uh, as you get ready. And uh, we have a lot of great uh, ways at Liberty to be helping prepare. But also if you want to connect with us online. Wow, what a great discussion, guys. And thank you, Neil, for your time. And good luck as you begin another year at Liberty. And I know Doc is working at various schools around the country. And so it's going to be an exciting time as everybody heads back. And we pray that it's going to be a successful year for everyone as well. And if you'd like to bring the Inner Armor program to your school or organization or team, go to forgeinnerarmor.com. And if you'd like to learn more about the principles behind the program, go to amazon.com and look for the book, Forge Your Inner Armor, which is available in print, ebook, and audiobook. And join us next time for more of the Inner Armor podcast. This has been the Inner Armor podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Would you please follow or subscribe? and make sure to leave us a review or comment. You can learn more about Inner Armor, Dr. Royer, and how to perform at your potential by going to forgeinnerarmor.com.